Bibles and we're turning to the book of Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we've been going, we've been looking at uh, Colossae and man-made religions. Now Paul says that uh, we have everything that we need in the Lord Jesus Christ and he is sufficient for our needs um, and uh, that he has revealed to the Gentiles his marvelous grace and his hope of glory, and him we preach back in chapter 1, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. To this, and I also labor, striving according to his, the working which works in me mightily. And so that's the end of chapter 1. So that's our whole message. Lord, if you've worked in us, then help us. That's the whole, we're not here just to be counseled. We're not here just to soak up the grace of God. We're here because God says he wants to pour through us streams of living water that will come forth uh, and touch other people's lives. And so this was Paul's great desire. And he's writing to Colossae because these people are being drawn away by all kinds of isms. You have, we looked at the week before last, Christmas being last week, and our program, but uh, we looked at uh, legalism and how that uh, we're, people, is Christ plus something. You've got to have something else in order to be either saved or a mature Christian. And so, you know, you have these big long lists and as a a member of Calvary Baptist Church, this is what we expect of you. And, and, uh, or the, the Calvary Baptist no-nos. And boy, if I do all these things, I'll be spiritual. Well, you can, cl- you can check all the boxes and still be outside the will of God. Legalism is uh, now, and then you counter that with the fact that we don't, we're not talking about libertinism. And we tried to distinguish between the two. There are those that just said, oh, I'm saved by grace, so that means that anything I want to do, God will forgive if it's wrong or whatever, but uh, I can live the way I want to. And we saw in First Thessalonians chapter 4 that the Lord tells us that he wants us to learn how to possess our bodies in sanctification and honor. And he even goes on, this is the will of God. And so he tells us the will of God. And so no matter... You know, there are people that, and then we'll get into this because it really goes into the next one, and that is um, the idea of mysticism. And that is, God told me to do something. Well, we want to check that out as we look in chapter 2 and uh, <clears throat> in verse 16. And this, he begins with uh, liberal, uh, liberal oh, excuse me, with uh, uh with legalism, and then he's going to go to mysticism. And he says, um, So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding of festivals. Of course, those were the, the Jews that said, No, you guys still practice all these things, or new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. So there were still those Jews that said you had to practice these things to be a good Christian or to even be saved. And God said, No. Let no one cheat you of your reward, your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, capital H, uh, for whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, growing with the increase that is from God. 
Now, notice he does say there is something that is invisible. And that is, as we grow in and we submit to the head, Jesus Christ, then we are going to start, as a spiritual um, fact, we're going to start melding together in a lot of things that are not even seen. One of the great things in the ministry that I love is when someone's been coming here for a while and possibly they've just been saved or they're just getting right with God, and they come and start talking to Judy and I. And all of a sudden, they're talking about things that God's doing in their lives. And we're looking at each other, and I'm just saying, did you, did you tell them that? And, and she'll look at me, you know, whatever. And it's the idea that uh, God's working in their lives. And it's more than just the, you know, it's the preaching of the word, but God takes that seed and then changes their lives. You know, it's not enough to come to church. It's what God can do through his word. And that's why we want to preach the word. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be instant. In other words, be consistent in season, out of season. And right now we're out of season. People quit going to church, COVID and all that kind of stuff. And so we're out of season, but Paul didn't say stop or change the word or whatever else, or you know, put on a circus so you get everybody here or whatever, but just preach the word. Now, preaching the word, of course, is more than from the pulpit, but we've got to be consistent in our lives. But um, the idea then, but we want to see God change. And that's what we were praying for before we started. Lord, change the hearts of these people. We need to see your power working through us. That is invisible. And yet, it's something that is that uh, we that we can see the results of. But there are people that come along, and this is what he's warning about. No, no one cheats you of your reward who delight in false humility first. I had a man one time that uh, I thought I always thought him as a little worldly, but he would talk about how humble he was. He didn't use humble, it was he was humble. And uh well, I would talk with him and so forth, and he could pray pretty well, and he knew how to, you know, he knew all the functions of a church as far as well, what to do and what not to do. But I always felt like he was so cold, and there's something missing in his life. And uh, there was. He was very hollow, um, and you could tell a lot by just the, just the intangible things in his life. For one thing, his family, the atmosphere. All this, uh, he can tell you how to live, but really privately he wasn't living it. I mean, it was it was all show, and but he could. He, but it was the idea that, uh, and then again he would do. And so you, one thing, you notice the false humility in the worship of angels. Now, what? Who can wash away my sins? The Lord Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But. Um, there are those who come out, I'm so humble that, you know, the Bible says that uh, let me come boldly before the throne of grace that I may obtain grace. But, you know, I'm so humble that uh, I feel so unworthy to go before the throne of grace. I need some help. I need Mary or I need an angel or I need to pray to some saint that can help me. And uh, after all, he said he's going to give his angels charge over me. And as a pastor, you would um, be amazed how many people have talked to me about the angels they've seen or how that God spoke to them through a light or whatever. Um, And it's all emotion. It's all 
dreams or whatever. I had a dream. Well, <laughs> I was thinking this past week, uh, I had a dream, and I don't know exactly all that I was doing, but I was standing in front of all you, and the church was full, and everybody was laughing at me because I don't think I had any clothes on or whatever. It was one of those weird dreams, you know, and you wake up and you're in a sweat and you feel so, you're so embarrassed. You ever been, I mean, no, I don't know whether it's clothes. I forget what it was, but I felt terribly embarrassed instead of and standing in front of all of you. Was God telling me something? Was God telling me you were all going to reject me and that you were going to you know, have the trap door and I was going to fall through this morning or whatever? Uh, or do I just say, you know, my old mind, it's pretty weird. Uh, do I take that as an omen of things to come? Or do I say, just a wacky dream? But uh, I think it was just a wacky dream. Now, I've told you about dreams that my wife's had where she woke up mad at me. What did I do? You know, but there again, it didn't bust our marriage or anything else. But, you know, we do have, but, you know, God in the last day or in, in times past spoke to us through, through, he did speak through angels. He did speak through, uh, through different ways, even a whirlwind with, uh, um, with Elisha or Elijah. But uh, turn with me now and let's just look at how that God speaks today. He says, don't let anybody come and say, God told me about this. I warn girls, especially. Don't listen to a guy who says, God told me that you are the girl that I'm going to marry. Well, great. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I've already been married three times, but that, you know, whoa. You know, people have all kinds of weird epiphanies that God told them to do something. I still like the story of old Lester Roloff, who was a Texas preacher. And a guy walked up to him and said, God told me to give you these shoes. And they were brand new shoes. And uh, Lester Roloff put him under his, uh, uh, his arm like he did. And he thanked the guy very profusely. And the guy said, are you going to uh, try them on? He said, no, if God told you to do it, they'll fit. And there again, you know, if God tells you to do something, he's going to work it out. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, he says, God in various times, now the King James has a sundry type, various and sundry, but God in various times and in various ways spoke in times past through the fathers by the prophets. Did he not speak through the prophets? And of course, even, even Elisha, uh, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, so he had visions. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Okay. So Jesus told me to do it. Okay, no, how does the Son speak to us? Keep on reading. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus Christ is the creator. Whom being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In other words, Jesus Christ was everything that God is. Um, and upholding all things by the word of his power. So how does God speak to us today? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so this is, and even um, the, um, the sign language for um, the international sign language for the heart of hearing or the deaf is, you know, Jesus is... Um, you, know, you point to their, the, the hands, but the book is, or the, 
this is the word for book or, you know, with two hands together. But uh, the Bible is the Jesus book. And so whoever uh, came up with the sign language, uh, I wonder if they were Christians. But uh, there again, yes, this is the Jesus book. This is the word of God where we learn about Jesus. And so if anything goes against this book, then it's not from Jesus. I've, I had a lady tell me one time, and she was going on all what she's going to do, and boy, some of the stuff was far out. And I said to her, you know, lady, really, have you really gotten into the Word? She said, I don't need the Word. I know what I'm experiencing. I'm going, well, your experiences might be a whole lot different from this book. And if, you, if your experiences differ from the book, you better go with the book. And boy, she got mad, and she never came back to church. Because I was just an old, cold, hard preacher and didn't understand what God was doing in her life. Well, only way that, you know, I can just judge you and you can judge me by what God is doing through his word. I had a, a man, you know, God wanted me to uh, go and forsook his family. And he just got into all kinds of different things. But God wanted him to be a witness. And he wanted to sound so spiritual. And how that God spoke to him about different things and whatever. And yet uh, his family was being neglected. And, it's, it, and so again, we have to be careful with this mysticism that God is telling me to do something. Uh, my emotions, my old heart can be desperately wicked and deceitful. And I can't even know it. And only God can do it. It's God who gives me. And that's why we delight in his word. And he will give us the delights of our hearts. Not that he will give us our desires, but he will change our desires to be in line with his word. So I want God's desires. I want what God wants. And so we get into this false humility and then visions of angels or visions of seeing something in the clouds. Or we see, as you see every once in a while on the internet, uh, some light that uh, I've a few years ago, I still like this, where a guy drove up in his driveway and the neighbor's uh, porch light um, reflected on his bumper and it formed a cross on the side of it, the, the neighbor's wall. And all of a sudden, everyone was getting coming to watch, look at that. And he wouldn't even move his car for days because uh, the people were getting healed and all these different things. Well, that's mysticism. That is, you know, where do we get that from the Bible? And you say, well, I know what I experienced. People got healed. Okay, show me that gnarled hand that became straight. You know, it's always being healed from something in, inward. It's nothing, it's, and because that's why he says things that are, that are not seen. Uh, it's always, you know, the, the, faith, the faith healers always heal people of something that you can't see on the outside. They don't heal that gnarled hand. They don't heal that, uh, that deformed foot or whatever else. It's always something that you can't see. It's always of the mind. And so he says, um, he says, the worship of angels. And if you've got a, an angel that you have on your wall or on your mirror or, who's, or a saint that you think is protecting you, uh, that's unbiblical. Because only the Lord Jesus, we are to pray to him, we're to depend on him and him alone. Now we've talked about angels and we talked about how that uh, uh, the Bible tells us that, uh, that he is showing through this church the manifold wisdom of God. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3. And um, how that uh, he's teaching his angels 
things from this church, but we don't, uh, we don't concentrate on the angels. Just like we know that there's a great cloud of witnesses watching us from heaven, possibly my mother and yours or whoever, that uh, they're in heaven today. I, like I've said many times, I hope that the Lord isn't showing my mother everything about me. But uh, again, uh, we, we know that there are people that might be watching us, but we can't pray to them. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. And anything less than him, God will not share his glory with another. We'll see that in Isaiah. I am the Lord. I am the only God. I, there is no one besides me. So we concentrate on the Lord and not on angels, not on our spiritual visions. Because notice there's something hollow about that. He says, false humility, worship of angels, and, and intruding into things which he has not seen, but he can tell you about them. I mean, we have, I haven't seen it either, but God gave him a vision. Now, again, we turn to, well, pastor, how do you know you're called to preach? Or how do you know the leading of God? Well, again, that's where it comes from his word. That's where we get into the word. We really seek his face and God starts giving us the desires of our hearts. And um, I know one way that, I mean, the Lord just kept, and I said one thing through his word, through prayer, and then the circumstances around you that God starts dealing in. And uh, I couldn't get away from the fact that God was calling me into the ministry because every place I went, God was thinking out. I mean, uh, people would come up to me and say, are you going to be a preacher? Are you going to be, a, are you a pastor? And I kept saying, no, no, no. And yet at the same time, I really sensed that God was working in my heart. And as a result of that, I said, okay, Lord, if that's the route you want me to go, then I'll surrender to you. You don't have much, but if you want me, here I am. And God kept opening doors. And uh, you can ask my wife, every time I wanted to get out of the ministry, uh, I became very miserable, hard guy to live with. But uh, it wasn't because of any I mean, God wouldn't let me. But then again, th those are all, you say, well, you can't prove that because you can't see it. No, I just know what God does in our heart. And our hearts, of, as we try to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh and all that, but as a result of the spirit, the unseen spirit of the Lord. But how do we test the spirits? We test the spirit through the word. And so if someone has come to you and tell you, God has told me to do this, we'll sit back and say, if God's told you to do it, He's going to do it. And so, okay, now, if you, if, of course, that means that, yeah, you want to do some planning or whatever else and be open to the will of God. But uh, at the same time, uh, these are, as far as you just can't come out and tell me that uh, an angel told me to do this or that, uh, you know, I saw a light and whatever else. No, those are all, that's all desire. And that's why we have, as a, as a person, as a individual, we must seek the will of God. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're to seek God's will. God deals with you differently than he deals with me. That's the reason we have a church. That's the reason we have testimonies. That's the reason I love to have fellowship with each one, male and female of all, because God speaks, my wife thinks so much differently than I do. But God gives her insights that really are valuable for me. And so do you. And I just marvel at how that I see God working in some of your lives. 
And it's such a blessing to see God do that. Why are you here this morning? Because God gave you the the desire. Why are you even listening this morning? Is it because God has called you and God has given you a desire? Those are things unseen. But God will never tell you to do something outside of his will. When we do his good will, he abides with us still. Never fear, only trust and obey. But we walk with the Lord. Now, the, the situation that many of us fall into and people, Lord, give me a sign. Give me, really, that's spiritism. How many, how many fleeces do you see in the Bible as far as discerning God's will? How many times did a person say, Lord, uh, if, you, if the sheepskin is wet, then I know you want me to do this. If it's, but then you see it, well, Lord, let me check it out. And now if it's dry and everything else is wet, how many times do we see that in the Bible? How many times? Once. One time. How many burning bushes did we see in the Bible when God spoke to to Moses, one. And so we see that over and over again, God spoke in various times in various ways to his people. And, but the whole idea of throwing a fleece out there, Lord, and I remember, boy, that's one thing. I was with a bunch of sailors in the service and we had more zeal than we had knowledge as far as the word of God. But one guy was praying, Lord, when we get back to shore and her and this, the girl that I've been dating, if she's wearing a red dress, then I know that she's the one that you want me to marry. You know, then she wasn't wearing a red dress, she was wearing a blue. Well, Lord, let's do it one more time. You know, and all that. So what, what if you, you put that fleece out there and it doesn't work out? Does that mean God's saying no? No, let's try it. Let's keep on doing it until, until she wears her. I'll go out and buy her a red dress, you know, or whatever. You know, I, but what we do, our hearts become deceitful and we expect God to do, you know, to, to come to our desires rather than us to go to his desires. And so, uh, and we can be so spiritual about it. God told me. God told me to, to leave this church and go to this church that uh, is, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get to, but it was a very liberal church. And they had all kinds of things he wanted to do. And um, I told him, I said, you know, you're going to get in there. And uh, yeah, you, you can do what you want to do, but you're going to be right back into the lifestyle you were before you started coming here and before you got saved. Well, he went there and he just fell right off. the. He got right into it and all the appetites that he had were reignited. And he's right back into his old lifestyle and the last I saw him, he wasn't even walking with the Lord. But God told him. And see, this is what we have to be careful about. If God tells you to do something, it's always going to be right. It'll always be something better. I can't tell you, if you come to me and say, God told me to do this. As a pastor, unless it is obviously wrong like it was with him, I can't tell you otherwise. God told me to buy this car. Okay, well, you've prayed about it. You've sought it. You're a good person. You're seeking God's will. So you go out and buy the car. Okay, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be the one that you come and check on. Is it God's will for me to buy this car? I don't know. I don't know all the, you know, those are things that I, as a pastor, I'm going to be your priest and tell you what to do. Unfortunately, there's a lot of preachers that can tell. Uh, I had a, uh, there's, Several people, there was back uh, in the 80s where it was called Gothardism or Bill Gothard. But uh, I had pastors that became so controlling 
they, they would tell different, this is not the girl that God wants you to marry. And I think about uh, one guy that was one of the great fellows that I knew in college. But he was dating a very sweet, nice girl. But his pastor, who was kind of a, you know, a spiritual leader at the time, he got into this Gothardism a little bit too much. And uh, he was telling him, this is not the girl God wants you to marry. And he, this is the girl. And so he went with what his pastor told him to do, and they're divorced today. I'm going, you know, I do not have the power to tell you that. I don't have the power, and you know, I kid, you know, some of I kid people, young girls, about you better check with me before you marry this guy or whatever. I, yes. And I, and especially if I know that, and, the, and there again, it's good for a girl to check with a their father or because we see things in guys that girls don't in the same way with uh, ladies you see things in girls that we don't and so it's nothing wrong with getting spiritual advice and if uh, like I said if uh, if some girl uh, comes to me and asks me and, and I see the guy out there and he's obviously living outside the will of God but pastor he's I can win him to the Lord. No, he's going to win you to the devil. You know, so I will be, I will warn the girl about that. And if they're unsaved and if uh, there are times that I would refuse to marry uh, someone because I know the situation and it's not, you know, it's not biblical for, for that to go about. So, so boy, do I get in trouble when that happens. My, when you tell a girl that you can't marry her because of certain things, that was one of the first tests I had in marriage in the, in the ministry. Uh, was I had a, a family that had been coming to church there for years, but her, her, uh, their daughter was going to get married. But my, the more I found out, the more I just churned inside saying, I can't do this. And I had to tell them that. And oh my, uh, I had people, you're just a young preacher. You're, uh, I wasn't even married at the time. Here you think you're going to come in and boy, did they just, they throw a fit and they left the church and so forth. And that was my, I had no idea what I was going to get, was getting into as a pastor. And yet, um, unfortunately, I was proved right. You know, the marriage didn't last more than a year. Um, but then again, there, and I, when I say all that, I turn right around and people, I think of one of the great men in my life. And uh, he was an unsafe person, but he started dating a girl in my home church. And uh, he, she just wouldn't date him unless he came to church. And uh, he got saved. And uh, for the last, uh, uh, last I knew him, he was 84 years old, last time I saw him. But he got saved when he was like 22 or 23 years old. And he's been one of the most prominent men in my life as far as knowing the Lord. Well, that can, so here again, everything is a little different. But, um, you know, but when, be careful though, when people start telling you that God told him to do something. Very quickly though, he says, and not holding fast the head, that's the key. Not holding fast to the Lord Jesus, not obeying him, to whom the whole body, notice how, that's how we're all brought together, is not by what we want to do, but by us having a common denominator. And that is that we want the will of God in our lives. And that is why as a church, God pulls people together 
through one head, and that's him. He's the head of the body. I like to say, even in marriage, the closer you get to God, the more you're going to get closer to one another if both of you are trying to get close to God. In the same way in a church, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, if we agree that the Lord is, is good and the Lord is our, is our head, then we're going to have, we are going to have our disagreements because we think differently. But in the end, we're going to have one body. And so, uh, again, but don't let anybody deceive you by, because of the, their flowery language or their lofty prayers or their visions of angels or of the Lord Jesus speaking to them. Um, or, and, I know, and why we don't have time to get into this, but any more than karma, we're getting to that kind of thing, or uh, uh, you know, the word. Whenever, and this has happened, and it's unfortunately a lot of times with uh, our Pentecostal friends, uh, God gave me a word. Well, wait a minute. Did God give you the word or a word? Well, God spoke to me and told me to do this. Okay, well, give me the whole nine yards. Don't give me just that God, you know, it's like God gave me the word. Uh, and I've heard crazy things, but one of the joke that we'll make is, uh, you know, uh, Judas went out and hung himself. Well, that's a great, uh, okay, so God gave me the word. So, boy, I'm thinking about it. And then you look and you find another verse that says, go thou and do likewise. No, that's not the word, you know. So, you know, God gave me a word. Well, I want to see your whole life before you tell me that God gave you one specific thing. If you're walking with the Lord and God spoke to you about something, and God, and God does that. God lays it on your heart to do something. And I praise the Lord for that. But uh, if, you're not, if you're not really seeking God's will and all of a sudden, you're, Lord, now slap me with something. Well, you better be careful with people who just always are, are led by, God gave me a word. Uh, there was a film that came out over the last uh, presidential, or a couple of uh, presidential elections ago. A, God, you know, a guy saw a vision or whatever of what was going to happen, and it happened. You know, the president was elected. Well, all of a sudden, this guy was a national phenomenon. Well, he didn't get elected again, you know, or whatever. So we have to be careful with God giving me a word. Now, again, if I didn't believe that God was for his will for me to be here or for you to be here today, let's all go home. So we do sense that God does work invisibly or work uh, without a seeing. But at the same time, we're not looking for the vision. We're looking for what God tells us. This word is powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, as we get into the word, God will start showing us what's right and wrong in our lives. So if I'm not willing to allow God to rearrange my thoughts, then how can I know what he's doing in rearranging my life? Does that make sense? Okay, any questions or comments about what we've looked at today?